This morning, I want to invite you to open your Bible, and we're going to look and follow along in Acts chapter number 4 and the beginning of Acts chapter number 5. Today, we're thinking about empowered to advance, how the Holy Spirit empowers the early church to advance and take the gospel around the world. When the Spirit has come upon you, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And indeed, God's power did fall in the early church, and they began to take the gospel. It was spread powerfully in Jerusalem, and as a matter of fact, on Pentecost, 3,000 souls were saved. After the healing of the beggar outside of the beautiful gate, and that sermon, 5,000 souls are now uh, numbered uh, among the disciples, and there are many priests who are turning to God And God's spirit is moving powerfully. Jerusalem is being turned upside down by the gospel. And it's spreading out into all Judea. This is exactly as God had planned. But there are threats. Whenever the church of God is expanding and God is at work, can I tell you somebody who's madder than an old wet hen? And that's Satan. And he wants to make the church divided. He wants to threaten us. He wants to fill us with fear. And that's exactly what uh, Satan tried to do in his first attack. And that first frontal attack was to threaten them, bring in the apostles, and interrogate them, and say, why, why are you speaking? By what name or what power are you doing these things? And then they threaten them to no longer speak in his name. They bring him in front of the 72, the council, the Sanhedrin, and they question them. This is the same group that condemned Jesus to death, but Peter and John and the rest of the apostles would not bow, bend, or break. They stood strong, and they said, you decide what's right or wrong, but we can't help but speak in his name. And they preached powerfully the Lord Jesus. And the whole church prayed, and God answered, and they spoke the gospel with boldness. The church was growing and flourishing, so Does Satan give up and no longer attack anymore? No, he begins to now move his threats of attack toward the inside of the fellowship and see if he can't divide that fellowship. Today, that's really what we're going to be looking at. Now, before we get into the scripture, let me just ask you a question before we do. First of all, have you ever pretended to be something that you're not? I mean, have you ever exaggerated the truth about yourself so that you look better? You don't have to answer out loud. You ever know somebody that does that? Hmm. Something about your experience, something in your resume, something about your work, something about that you've accomplished. Has that three-pound fish you caught become a five-pounder in days later? Or that third-place ribbon that you got becomes a first-place ribbon? Or maybe that B-plus somehow just has turned into an A-minus over the years? Hmm. Rob Young is a 33-year-old young man claimed to have run 370 marathons 
in a year. That seems like an exaggeration, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, he published a book about his exploits and talked about what a great runner he was. He was attempting to, and it was widely published, that he was going to run all the way across the United States of America. There were some very avid runners that began to wonder if his story was really true. Through the technology of GPS, they began to track some of his movements and realized something didn't quite add up. One investigative runner actually found his motorcade and there was a motor coach that followed along with him and during the hours that he said he was running, he was sleeping in a motor coach going down the road across America. He was supposed to be running across America. He was exposed as being a fraud and a liar about what he was saying. One of the most famous liars, marathon runners, was Rosie Ruiz. Y'all remember that name? Her name sort of became famous uh, in a negative kind of way because, uh, infamous, I guess you might say, she, it was in 1980, she ran the Boston Marathon and she won, the Bo- apparently won the Boston Marathon and uh, when, she, when she finished the line, her time was 20 minutes faster than they'd ever recorded her time in a marathon. They began to question her about that, and she claimed that it was true. But the truth of the matter is, she took city transportation, the subway, to get from Cambridge to Boston, and was wearing her uniform even with her number on it, and was found out to be a fraud. A year earlier, she had run in the New York Marathon and gotten 24th place, and they found that she had done the same thing when they investigated that later, and she was a cheater and a liar. Her character proved itself. In 1982, she was arrested for larceny and forgery. She was just a fraud. Then she went to the penitentiary for selling 4.4 pounds of cocaine. That's Rosie Ruiz. There are a lot of frauds in this world, and as we look at our text today, we're going to see that this fraudulent kind of life, hypocrisy, is, was a threat in the early church. Now look with me to chapter number 4, beginning with verse number 36. Here's a man, and his name's Joseph. He's a Levite, a Cypriot by birth, who the apostles named Barnabas, that's his nickname, which is translated son of encouragement. And he sold a field he owned, he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. We're told that several in the church had done this. God's Spirit was so working in the church that people were moved. And when they saw poverty in the church and people that were suffering, they sold stuff and gave things and and gave it to the apostles and said, use this and distribute it as you will. And among those was Barnabas, who had a tract of land, and he sold that and got brought it to the apostles. Now, the background to this, the church was of one heart and one soul. There was harmony and unity in the church. They were sharing and giving as God would have them to. They were witnessing with power, and they were enjoying God's favor. We looked at this last week in our message. This is the example, though, as we look at an example of one of the members of the church that was a great encouragement 
was Barnabas, and he was a model. He was a man of grace and giving, and uh, he had a genuine walk with God. He had wise words. He acted in wisdom. He was a man of integrity. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was from Cyprus. He, he could relate to Jewish and to uh, Hellenistic Greek-speaking Jews. He, he was really a great man of integrity. He was a great blessing in the whole life of the church. And while his name was Joseph, everybody just called him Barnabas because he was Mr. Encouragement. That's what he was. And everybody loves hanging around with a man like that. But then notice the second example is chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of it for the proceeds from the field? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. When he had heard these words, Ananias, listen close, dropped dead. And great fear came on all who heard. And the young men got up, they wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7. There was an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the field for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they'll carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead. What a youth ministry. Carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. Ananias and his wife Sapphira were in agreement about sort of defrauding the church. You see, they're both similar, Barnabas and Ananias, in some ways. They both owned property. They both sold property. They both brought proceeds to the apostles. And they both committed those proceeds to the apostles to to disperse it as they felt led. But the difference is that Barnabas gave all of his and was honest about it. And Ananias and his wife Sapphira, Sapphira only gave part of the money. But they made it appear like they had given all of it. And so they perpetuated a double sin, and that was dishonesty and deceit, and it was a threat into the life of the church. Now, the money was all theirs as long as they possessed it. As a matter of fact, they didn't have to sell the property. Nobody told them to do that. And after they sold the property, it could have very well said to the apostles, hey, listen, we sold the property for this amount, And we feel like that we should give this amount. And so we're giving this portion of what we've sold and keeping the other portion. And that would have been, I think, just fine. But the truth of the matter is that they lied and they were hypocritical and they were trying to present themselves 
of doing something. There is a bit of a play on words, though, because it, Luke uses a, a word that is translated held back or kept back, some of it. And that word uh, means to misappropriate. And it's the same word that is used in the Septuagint for theft and in the New Testament for theft. And so, the truth of the matter is, they must have told the church that they were selling the property and giving the whole amount. And then, they lied and didn't do it. And this was the effect. It was the same effect as embezzlement when they did that. And it was also hypocrisy. They looked like they were being honest. They looked like that they were giving, but they were just liars, and they were just pretenders. Look with me to the next slide, please. And notice, Peter says to him, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field? Now, who is involved in this deception? Satan is. And the old devil is doing a work in Ananias' heart. Did you know Satan is a liar? He's a liar and a thief. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil never cares about your welfare. He'll lie to you every step of the way. And that's exactly what it is. It's lies, lies, and more lies in this story. And I'll tell you, lying relieves the death and destruction in your life. The lie that Satan tells them. Satan is telling Ananias and Sapphira a big, fat, juicy lie because he's trying to mess up the early church. It's very similar to how Satan lied to Eve in the garden. Remember, Satan says to her through the serpent, he says to her, listen, as God said, you're not to eat any of these trees. She said, we can eat of all these trees. Except for one, in the midst of the garden, we're not to eat it or touch it, lest we die. He said, no, 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 you won't die. But God knows this, that the day that you eat of it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. And God's holding back on you, girl. You could have so much more if you'll just disobey God and eat of that fruit. You'll be like God and you'll find joy and happiness and real fulfillment and satisfaction and be more like God if you disobey God. Isn't that a big lie? Satan's still lying like that today. He's saying if you disobey God, you can find satisfaction in your disobedience. I'm telling you, your disobedience will never satisfy your soul. As a matter of fact, it might, bring, it might satiate some carnal urge in you that temporarily feels good or right, but in truth of the matter is, you'll know deep in your soul when you look in the mirror, this is disobedience to holy God. God has given you a conscience. You know. And Ananias knew as well. And so I think this was the lie that Ananias was told by Satan. It's okay to give half portion. Really, it's okay. It's okay if nobody else knows. And, and the truth of the matter is, this was the lie. You can serve two masters. But no, you can't serve two masters. 
And Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters because you'll either hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, Jesus said. Money. You make that the, the God in your life, it brings destruction in your life. This other lie that Satan told him is that people's admiration is more important than obedience to God. People's admiration is more important than obedience to God. How people look at you is more important than how God looks at you. Is that a lie? Are you all with me today? And so the lie is if people admire me and people respect me, then I'll be happy and I'll find self-fulfillment. There are so many people who are living for the, what other people think about them and not what God thinks about them. It's an empty street. Let me tell you the other lie that Satan tells Ananias. Little lies don't matter. Satan never told you that. Little lies have little consequences. That's what Satan says. It's just the, it, that's just a lie. Little lies have big consequences in your life. There's no such thing as just little lies. We, you know what else Satan says? He says, well, other people lie. It's okay if you lie. Well, just, just because the way other people live and doesn't mean that's the right way to live. Amen? Look, you can't straddle the fence. You can't serve two masters. Amen. You love God or you follow Jesus or not. And the truth of the matter is, Ananias and Sapphira were with the assembly of believers, and Ananias and Sapphira had some time in their life said, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And Ananias and Sapphira had been baptized, and Ananias and Sapphira were part of the church fellowship, and Ananias and Sapphira were loved, but there was something dark in their heart, and Satan was working in their life. And I'm telling you, Satan is a liar, and he's a thief. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. These are the lies they told each other. You can hear them as a husband and wife at home. Well, nobody will know. Nobody will know the difference. And we're going to look important in people's eyes like Barnabas. And we can fool other people. and, And God doesn't really care about this. Our public face is more important than our personal character. Mm. And that's the lie. What is the lie that they told the church? Ananias said, here's the money that we told you about. Notice in verse, next verse please, next slide. Wasn't it yours while you possessed it and after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead and great fear came on all who heard it. Do you think that it might cause great fear if people started dropping dead that were lying to God? I mean, really, we'd have a mortuary in the uh, education building, I think. And you know what? There would be a lot less pastors preaching, too. I believe that. Lying. Verse 5, we heard these words, he dropped dead and great fear came on all. What's God saying? He's saying, I will not be mocked. 
Notice in verse number seven, there was an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in. Now, she had been at the mall, and she just got back. Now, not knowing what had happened. Now, is this before texting, cell phones? She didn't know. Her hubby was dead, and they'd already buried him. And uh, the, 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 the student ministry had carried him out, dug a hole, and buried him. And now they were on their way back. She arrives, and she meets people at the door, and there's a greeting and welcoming others. And Peter said, I need to talk to you, Sapphira. Her name means beautiful. And so she comes, and she said, did you sell this property for this price? He doesn't trick her. He gives her an opportunity to repent, honestly. And she said, yeah, exactly, for that price. Knowing then fully that she was lied about. And she was in cahoots with her husband. And he said, the guys that just got back from burying you. Notice, why have you agreed to test the spirit of the Lord? He says, you're, you're, you're blaspheming the spirit. You're, you're disobedient to God. The feet of those who buried your husband at the door, they're going to carry you out. Wow. This is the sin. The lies that they told to each other. The lie that they told to the church. And the lies that they told together. And it had a huge consequence. A loss of influence. A loss of opportunity. And a loss of their life. What does God want from us? Look with me to Psalm 51 verse 6. Surely you desire what? Integrity. Truth in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. You know what God wants in our life? He wants us to be truthful and honest. Psalm 51, verse 3 says, My sin is before me always. Then he says, Against you and you only have I sinned. Our sin is not just to the church. Our sin is not just to other people. Peter said, You haven't just lied to men. You've lied to God. And you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And it's bringing judgment into your life. Wow. Why do we lie? Number one, we often lie to hide something. We often lie to hide something. You ever try to hide something? Lie about it? I have. I think we all have. I remember as a high school student, I was probably 17 years old. And uh, I'd skip school, didn't go to high school that day. Went off with some buddies and we went fishing and then we went to the lake and we went swimming and we hung out with some girls and I won't tell you everything we did. In the afternoon, I was back home and was in the backyard with some of my friends. We were laughing, wrestling around, talking like guys do. And my dad came home from work. He was a school teacher and a principal. Not at the high school, but at the middle school, the junior high. And so dad was inside, and I could hear the house phone ringing. And you remember when phones were on the wall in your house. And we had one with an extension cord that was, I don't know how long, but you could walk across the whole platform nearly with that long extension cord. And 
for the young people, this, this was right after the telegraph. And so anyway, uh, <clears throat> and so my dad puts his head out the, the glass door, the storm door, and he says, hey, Tim. I said, yeah. Are you sick? I said, no. No, he's not sick. I had called in, told the school I was sick, wasn't going to be there that day. Lied. Now it's caught in a lie. And that meant detention and exposure in my lie. And I went inside and I said, Dad, why'd you tell the school I wasn't sick? He said, I asked you if you were sick. You said no. I told him no. I said, well, Dad, I skipped school today. He said, don't get me involved in your lie. Wow. I remember lying to my dad about something one other time. I, I had borrowed his car. Nice car. Mark IV Lincoln Continental. That was a nice ride in the day. And so I'd gone to go see a girl in another town. And... I hung out with her and impressed her in my dad's fine car with leather seats and nice stereo and nice ride. Big old long nose, big old ride. I was coming through the country, got distracted messing with the stereo, ran off the road, went in the ditch, Tom, flipped the thing on its side. Now it's sitting in a ditch on its side completely. I'm in a mess. Well, there was a farmer down the road figured that headlights shouldn't be shining at the angle that it was in his house. And he came down there and he said, you need to call somebody? I said, I don't know. I said, it's my dad's car. He said, well, you want to call him? I said, no. I do not want to call him. He said, well... What do you want to do? I said, he said, I got a tractor. I said, okay. So he got his tractor, came out there, pulled, got onto it, slid it in the mud down that ditch for a while, and we flipped it over. I got out and looked at it, and I said, well, it looks pretty bad, but I don't think Dad would know. <laughs> the thinking of a 17-year-old man is awesome. So I went to the car wash. I'm washing that car. I'm washing underneath the car. I'm washing the wheels. Well, some of the church members from Dad's church drive by. said, what's Tim doing washing the car late at night out there at that quarter car wash deal? And they pulled in there. And I said, yeah, I had a little problem, but there was mud everywhere. And Bob said, did you call your dad? No, uh, not yet. So I drove home, parked it in the driveway, went inside late, went inside, slipped inside, slipped downstairs, slipped in bed. The next day <laughs> was a day of reckoning. My dad says, Tim, Anything you and I need to talk about? 
No, Dad, things are good, man. <laughs> I noticed a little mud under my car. Man, well, some of those back roads, Dad, are really muddy. See, what I didn't know was he already knew the whole deal because that snitch from church had already called him and told him. <laughs> Just covering up lies. And you know, all it do, did was, it was my lies are against sin, against, against God. But my lies were separating me between me and my father. Lies never bring unity in a church. They always bring destruction and division in a church. Unity, it can never be achieved on top of a lie. We lie to help ourselves. And sometimes we just lie to hurt somebody else. We gossip about them, we tear them down, we lie about them, we sing things about them that aren't true. We try to cover up our lies and hurt other people with our lies. Try to position ourselves in a stronger place. That's why we pad that resume or that's why we plagiarize and take things that we didn't write but act like we did write them. That's just a lie. Preachers that preach other people's sermons and make them sound like their own, they're just lying. How can the Spirit of God use that powerfully? If your words aren't true, then how can you speak the word with truth? Amen? And this is the threat of deception. So there's truth about these lies that we want to talk about. And first of all, God knows, God knows completely all about our lives. And he knows the truth. And... um, And we have to give an account to him. Luke chapter 8, verse number 17. Luke 8, verse 17. I want to look at that scripture verse if we can on the screen. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed. And nothing hidden that won't be made known. And come to light. Listen, whatever you try to conceal in darkness, God brings it to light. Listen to, listen to me. This is not on the screen, but if you look with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 12. Do you have your Bible? Look with me, Luke's Gospel, chapter number 12. <clears throat> Be on guard against the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. For whatever you've said in the dark, it will be heard in the light, and what you've whispered in the ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. He says there is a reckoning. God knows the truth, and we're accountable to the truth. Truth of the matter is people that our hearts are wrong and our hearts are we can't be like the Pharisees. You remember the story that is told about the woman in Luke chapter 13. 
And Jesus comes to a synagogue and there it's on the Sabbath day and here are all the religious leaders and there's a woman there and she has bent over and she's been under this burden of, of, of pain and suffering for 18 long years. And they're looking at Jesus and there's this woman in front of them and Jesus comes up to her and says, woman, won't you be released of your burden and made whole? And he lays his hand on her, touches her and she is healed. But the leader of the synagogue says, how dare you? This is the Sabbath day. There are six days to do work. How dare you do work on the seventh? And Jesus said, you hypocrite. Which one of you who has an ox or a donkey doesn't untie him so he can go and get water even on the Sabbath day? If you so treat an animal that way so it can get a drink, How much more this woman, she is a daughter of Abraham, you hypocrites. She's a daughter of Abraham, and she's been under a burden for 18 years. Doesn't she need to be loosed from her? And they hated him, and they despised him, and they thought of ways to kill him, and they lied about him, and they said that he was a blasphemer, and they said that he cast out demons and did miracle works by Beelzebub, which was the chief of demons. Jesus said, you can lie about me, but when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you're going to give an account for that. My friends, God takes our lying seriously. And it's time for us to wake up from that. The truth about lies, God knows the truth completely. Second thing is God takes our lying seriously. Thirdly, God punishes lying severely. And fourthly, God exposes lying openly. What we hide in the darkness, He takes it out in the light. When you say the names Ananias and Sapphira, What comes to your mind? Why is this story left in the book? Can I tell you? Listen. Ananias and Sapphira lied. And forever the shame of their lie is associated with their name. What they wanted more than anything was to be prestigious. But what they lost was everything. Now, down the corridors of history, everywhere the Bible is read, and for all eternity, their name will be associated with the couple who lied to the church, lied to the apostles, lied to the Holy Spirit, and lied to God, and died. It's brought out into the light. It's very interesting that the book of Joshua about the children of Israel on mission, going into the promised land, and the story about the early church going forward and taking the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Both have stories of great warning. Achan. Achan in the, in the book of Joshua lied and took some of that goods from the fall of Jericho that were underneath the ban, accursed, and he kept them for himself, hid them in his tent. 
when the children of Israel went to the next place to fight battle, a, place, a little place called Ai, the spies came back and said, it's small, we don't need a big army. About 3,000 men for this, and we ought to take care of business. This is a small little place. They went up there, they got soundly defeated, routed all the way back home, chasing their tails all the way back home. 36 men died, and the whole nation of Israel is embarrassed. And Joshua falls on his face and says, Lord God, why were we so soundly defeated? God, who aren't thought you were going to be with us? And he said, I am with you, but there is sin, and all of the nation of Israel has sinned. The truth of the matter is, the sin of Achan affected the whole church. Your sin has devastating consequences, and mine does. And this is what God is teaching us. He's saying there's consequences to our sin. We need to be honest. What God is really saying, can I tell you what he's saying? He's saying, I don't want my, little, my church that I'm building to be like the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites who say they love me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. I've already got that. I want a church where the Spirit of God is dwelling in them and they're loyal to Jesus and living for Him with integrity and not just pretending to be Christians but really are Christians. The impact of lying, it affects your relationships. It brings defeat into your life. And it positions you with the evil one. He says, when you speak, you speak out of your own nature. He says, concerning Satan. Because he's a liar and he's the father of lies. Can I tell you something? When you lie, listen close. When you lie, you're not walking with Jesus. You're walking with the evil one. Everybody in this room should have said amen. When you lie, you're not walking with Jesus. You're walking with whom? The evil one. Forsake all lying. Don't lie to God. Don't pretend. Don't pretend that you're following Jesus and you're not living for Him. Don't pretend that you're giving, that you're serving, that you're loving, that you're obedient. He doesn't want your pretending. He wants your life. He wants you. All of you. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Listen to what the Scripture says. Since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. You're a family. You and I are part of the family of God. Stay with me. Are you familiar with what this phrase called stolen valor? Stolen valor is, there's a stolen valor act that was passed by Congress and signed by President Obama in 2013. 
And he signed into law that it is a federal crime to fraudulently claim military medals in order that you might obtain some personal benefit. And there are guys, veterans, who've Vietnam vets and 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 veterans of the Iraq wars and different wars that sometimes at funerals and different parades, guys will show up in full military dress with all kinds of ribbons and, and all kinds of medals, but they're frauds. They're just wearing the uniform, and they want the accolades, and they want people to admire them, but many of them have never served in the military at all. The lowest of the low. God help me not to be that kind of Christian that dresses up with all the dress that look like a Christian and wear the medals as if I'm really following sacrificially for Christ, but instead I'm living a whole different life and I'm not serving Him. God in heaven, help us to walk with integrity after our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. That's where revival will begin. When we take off the pretending and we start living for the one who gave his life for us. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, you know all about us. You know our hearts. And Father, I pray you'd have your way in our hearts and our lives in this service. I pray that, Lord, this this story would be like a wake-up call to all of us about your great love for us, but also how that you take seriously our honesty before you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The question is, is the way that you're living bringing honor and glory to God? Are you being faithful and true and obedient to him? Understand this. Listen. I don't know how you may have lied in your past. How you, we've all are liars and we've all done wrong and we've all sinned. But can I tell you something? Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross. He is the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father by, but by Him. He is truth. His name is faithful and true. He's truth. And you shall know the truth. And the truth sets you free. And God can set you free from lying and free from caring about what everybody else thinks and free from your insecurity and free from your low self-esteem and free from your faking it. And He can set you free to be the real men and women of God. But it's coming to know the truth. He'll change your life. Hallelujah, man. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Let God have his way. You come. There are others here who would love to pray with you. You come as we sing.